Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, everybody, to Fruit Loop Season 2, Episode 29. Thank you so much for listening. 29, I can't believe it. I know. I'm feeling fine. (laughs) Uh, By the the time you listen to this, it will be just shy of our one-year anniversary. So, hip-hop air horns to Fruit Loops. Uh, We made it, and we decided to keep this going until... We're able to quit our nine to five jobs. <laughs> so you haven't heard the last of us. Fruit uh, Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we do not hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white dudes. There are many well documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because (laughs) the news is racist, (laughs) allegedly. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, nor psychologists, just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294 and we may feature it on a future episode. Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. I also wanted to announce that um, I've been using the hashtag Fruit Loops Pod Discussion uh, for people who aren't on Facebook, on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Oh, sweet. So the conversation continues in those um social media universities sweet well. so if you're not on facebook it's okay you can still discuss <laughs> we got you yeah <laughs> so uh if you want to support the show you can send us a donation on the cash app which you can download to your phone or you can find online at cash.me slash dollar sign fruit loops pod 
or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. We also have some merch for sale on our website at fruitlooseppod.com slash merch. If you can't help monetarily, no problem. You can always give us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And be sure to share our show with your friends. Yeah. So uh, who are we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about Vaughn Oren Greenwood, an American serial killer known by the nickname the Skid Row Slasher. And this has been requested by many people. Mm-hmm. He was convicted of slashing the throats of nine men in downtown L.A. in Hollywood in 1974 and 1975. But he is suspected of killing at least 11. Greenwood would leave cups of blood and sprinkle salt near his victims' bodies. Ooh. And just as an FYI, this will be our last episode before we take a break. There may be a couple of bonus episodes for our patrons, but we won't be putting out any more regular episodes for a few weeks because we need a break. <laughs> we need a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but everybody needs a little downtime, yeah. a little time for some self-care yes. and reflection and prayer. Yeah. yeah. Right? So... How you doing? I'm good. I needed this long weekend. And on Saturday, I went to the Phoenix Fan Fusion, which was <gasps> formerly Comic-Con. But yeah. they had to change the name. I guess San Diego Comic-Con is suing everybody for using Comic-Con. So everybody had to change come their on, names. Guys. <laughs> oh, come on, so guys. now it's called Phoenix Fan Fusion. And I went and uh, I saw Jeff Goldblum. Catherine Tate and John Berriman and John Berriman was hilarious he was totally raunchy and super funny (laughs) I'm not familiar with who John Berriman is (laughs) so he you you might I mean you might not have seen him in anything he was in Doctor Who he played his name was Captain Jack Harkness and he was pansexual in real life he's gay and mm. he came out on the stage um, wearing a blue suit. It, it kind of looked like the TARDIS, but with um, sequins. <laughs> now you've thrown something else at me that I'm not familiar. What is a TARDIS? Oh, <laughs> that's from Doctor Who. That's oh. it's uh, it's like a ship, but it's it looks like a phone booth. <laughs> oh. So it's oh. a blue police box is what they call it in England. So it's, it's oh, an okay. English show. So um, and it's bigger on the inside. So <laughs> it looks like oh. a, a phone booth and then you go inside and it's this spaceship. And okay. uh, so anyway, his his uh, suit, it looked like a TARDIS, but with uh, sequins and he was wearing these um, sparkly pumps. <laughs> <laughs> oh how lovely yeah oh, I, would have loved I know he was super funny um <laughs> he was very entertaining if you ever get oh. a chance to see him he was great oh okay well I, I okay I'm gonna add him to the list of people to, to, be to on catch the yeah for. yeah yeah oh I love it and he said he was raunchy which is my absolute favorite <laughs> my jaw actually shot to the floor when you said <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's name <laughs> he is he is one of my favorite human beings in the entire world. And I only know him from Jurassic Park. Right, right. I love 
Jurassic Park. Don't get me started. I, listen I know. To about I know you do. <laughs> I watch Jurassic Park when I'm sad. I listen to the soundtrack when I'm, you know, when I need a pick me up. Um, I love everything about Jeff Goldblum. He had a black daughter in the movie, for God's sake. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, did you did you get to touch Jeff Goldblum? Or, uh, or no, like- no. He he was way way up on the stage. We actually um, we didn't get very close to the stage when we saw him, so he was pretty far away. But. Um, mm. If it makes you feel any better, I think he was high as a kite. Was he wearing socks? <laughs> was he wearing what? Socks? I don't know. I, he was too far away. <laughs> he's, he's also one of those gentlemen who wears white pants, loafers, and no socks, which means that he is really, literally living his best life. When yeah. you can go out in public <laughs> with white pants, no socks, and, no and socks. loafers, you really don't give a fuck about anything. I really don't think he gave a crap about anything. And I think he was high as a kite. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Oh, he is the best. He is the best. Did he have a sweater tied around his shoulders? No, he didn't. Okay. Okay. Not that I That's saw. That's how I picture him in my mind. He was wearing a hat, the fedora or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I see you, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> oh I love him so much oh how fun oh my goodness gracious (laughs) well uh, me and my family this three-day holiday weekend went to the Caribbean festival and I met a bunch of people and when I say a bunch six or seven people from my mother's country so again my mom's from Belize and we are Garifuna Um, and some of the people were Garifuna some of the people were not um, but it, that's an unusual situation to be in. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it was so awesome. And uh, it again, it's Memorial Day weekend. You got to go to a cookout of, of in some form <laughs> or fashion. That's that's, that's gotta be on the list of things yeah. to do. That's right. So the festival had delicious Caribbean food, fantastic Caribbean music, lots of beautiful black and brown people dancing, happy kids, and bouncy houses. So I could just cross the cookout off my list of things to do because I did it. Yeah, that sounds fun. I did it. So um, one thing, though, is um, <clears throat> I forgot to put lotion on my feet. Oh, fingers. no. And boy, oh, boy, was <laughs> I embarrassed. Uh, my ankles were the grayest of gray. <laughs> For Wendy Williams of House Gray. Uh, <laughs> I looked down and I, again, I was so embarrassed. And I was like, how can I let this happen? Normally, so if I go somewhere and I'm, a, I know I'm going to be around a lot of like white people, I don't worry about my ashy ankles because white people don't really notice that kind of thing. No. But if you're around a group of black people, they will judge the shit out of you for having ashy ankles. So I still had a good time, but I was like uh-huh. sweating the whole time. Like nobody's looking at my ankles. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I did not know that. Yeah, I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> Thank you. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, it was still a good time, even though I was ashy as hell. I was ashy Larry. Um, so, so now we are going to get into our mailbag. Hello, angels. Hello, angels. They brought us Thank some listener you. letters. So uh, what do you got, Beth? What's in the bag? We got a uh, review from Illinois Mel. And uh, she said, white people can get butthurt about race talk, but how can we learn anything by avoiding the subject? 
These two women obviously have their own opinions, but are respectful and open. They obviously adore each other and make true crime conversation entertaining and fun. I am obsessed with Beth's laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. (laughs) Great job, ladies. I'm impressed. And I wanted to say thank you so much, Mel, for the comment about my laugh. I'm a little (laughs) self-conscious about it because it can be loud. (laughs) But I can't help it. And I've been told that I sound like my mom when I laugh. And my mom is no longer with us. So it makes me feel good and makes me feel closer to her when they they compliment me on my laugh. Yeah. Okay. So thanks, Mel. (laughs) Hip hop air horns to you. Mel Mel gets hip hop air horns, but so does Beth. That was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So um, I wanted to uh, share that we got a dope ass email from Feedspot. And shout out to Feedspot for including us on their recently published list of top 20 true crime podcasts on the fucking internet i added the fucking part (laughs) but we we are in there uh with our play cousins over at affirmative murder and crime and color uh we out here so work fierce (laughs) ass snap in the formation also see mom i'm not out here wasting my time and Hip hop air horns to feed spots. Yeah, thanks, feed spot. <laughs> uh, so uh, now we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into the true crime story when we get back. So who is our subject today, Beth? Today we're talking about Vaughn Greenwood, also known as the Skid Row Slasher. Ooh, all right. Well, I want to give it a quick shout out to our pod play cousins at What Did You Do? <laughs> and Criminal Musings. They are two POC podcasts. Um, I um, was speaking to a 50-year-old Black female adult this weekend who did not know what POC meant. That's oh, wow. color. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, generations, it's okay. It's yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but uh, they are two POC podcasts about POC and LGBTQ people. They have uh, both covered this killer and they did a great job. And so we don't want to overshadow what they did, but we're going to do it Fruit Loop style. Yeah, we're just going to uh, add our take yeah. to it. Uh-huh. And uh, Greenwood was, as far as we know, a black gay or bisexual man, though we're not actually sure that he was out, out. Um, who was convicted of killing nine men in Los Angeles, California. Greenwood would stage some of his crime scenes with cups of blood, sprinkled salt, and he allegedly carved unidentifiable markings in his victim's flesh. All right, so now we're... I'm not not saying what he did was cool. Hooray for carving flesh! I meant to slide into the stats, and that's the sound effect I normally use. Okay, Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Forgive me. All right. (laughs) So Vaughn Oren Greenwood, a.k.a. the Skid Row Slasher, killed 11 men. They were aged 34 to 67. He attempted to kill a 12th person, but that man survived. Greenwood was a black gay or maybe bisexual man, because, again, we don't know if he was out um, and we don't know for sure because he never told us. So please, Keith Morrison, can you interview him? (laughs) Seriously. Come on. 
Anyway, he was the product of the United States foster care system. His victims were mostly alcoholic, down and out men who vacillated between the streets, motels and shelters. Um, He was charged with killing 11 men. He killed two dudes in 1964 and then took a break because he wasn't really like a vacation. He was in prison. Uh, Ten years later, killed nine people uh, in the span of two months from December 1974 to January, the end of January 1975 in the Los Angeles slash Hollywood area. And uh, he was convicted of nine of those murders. Um, He was actually suspected of killing 13 people, but we shall never know. And his modus operandi was he would slit his victim's throat from ear to ear. Um, I feel like I feel a song coming on, but I can't think of it. Anyway, (laughs) he would remove their shoes and point them towards the body. And then he'd like put leave cups of blood around the dead body. So now we're going to dive into the setting, which is Skid Row in Los Angeles in 1975. So just to give you an idea, that was the year the movie Jaws came out. That was the year of the Watergate scandal. That was the year the Vietnam War ended with the fall of Saigon. And it was the year my beloved old Whitey was born, <laughs> just to give you a sense of the time frame. Uh, so this is Skid Row in L.A. is known by most people. I mean, we've all heard of Skid Row or a Skid Row. Um, but it should be known that there are Skid Rows all over the country. Um, they are places with lots of people of color, um, high poverty and quote unquote high crime. But that just means that they're more highly policed and neglected than um, other areas of the city. And uh, when I say ignored or neglected, that is an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And this was also at the very beginning of what has been called the satanic panic. The Satanic Panic was a cultural phenomenon where people thought that Satanists were everywhere, performing Satanic rituals and human sacrifices. It started in the evangelical Christian community. They believed that there was a vast underground network of Satanists in control of secular society. It then spread outward into society at large when the media started covering the stories and law enforcement started taking the stories seriously. And uh, to be clear, uh, they were not true. (laughs) The stories were not true. And the height of the satanic panic was in the 80s. And I remember that very clearly. And I remember reading a book. I don't remember the name of the book or anything, but it was supposedly this woman had been kidnapped and brought into this satanic cult and Even when I read it at the time, I was like, it got like halfway through the book and I'm like, this, I don't think this is really happening. (laughs) Well, and a a lot of the panic comes from not not understanding. Like there, there are like, you know how there are different, there's Presbyterians and Lutherans and there's different variations of Christianity. There are also different variations of um, Satanism. And um, I listened to a podcast maybe in the last two or three years. Um, where um, um, different people who were Satanists were interviewed. And I just remember thinking, um, wow, I'd never heard that perspective. It doesn't, it didn't, it, when hearing these people talk about their beliefs, to be honest with you, I was like, oh, I was really like, I've never, I've never heard them talk about it. I've never heard their perspective. And I, I just um, had an appreciation for uh, hearing their version or their, interpretation of yeah. their belief system. I, I, I don't remember 
thinking, oh, these people are awful. I don't remember thinking that when I was listening to the podcast. I'm just saying. Yeah, and there's also other religions, uh, pagan religions that people practice, Wiccans and Mm -hmm. things like that. And um, the Christians, a lot of the evangelical Christians um, confuse them with Satanism. And they just pretty much are scared of... other other religions yeah it's just fear it's really yeah a, it's fear and lack of understanding it's, yes it's, it's the yes. root of many a problems these days <laughs> so um now we are going to get into the killer's early life so tell us about the baby skid row slasher Beth. So little Vaughn Greenwood was born in 1944 in Pennsylvania. He was raised by foster parents, and he only completed seven years of school, at which time he fled his home in foster care. And it doesn't sound like he ever reconnected with his family of origin, and we don't know anything about them. There were reports that he was gay, um, that he lived on the streets, and he probably did engage in sex work. Um, nobody says straight up that he did, but all signs point to yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, why don't you pull up a chair and uh, sit with us in Culture Corner with Wendy and Beth. The foster care system in the United States is very fucked up yeah. <laughs> and broken. I laugh, but it's not laughable. Yeah. It's actually really it's uh, sad. Sad and depressing yeah. and horrific. Foster parents um, get paid. I don't know if everybody knows that. Once you adopt a kid, you no longer get the, the check. So um, many people take in as many kids as they can fit just to get those checks for those kids. Um, not all, but some foster parents beat kids. They rape them. They starve them, um, torture them. Um, if, if you've never if you've never delved into the foster care system, look into it and be horrified and then try to do something about it. Listen to Tiffany Haddish's story. Um, you know, the famous black comedian. Uh, <laughs> um, she was in foster care for many years and she um, talks truthfully about her experience. And it, uh, you're you're not going to come away from her story with a dry eye. I mean, it's it's awful. And it's so sad. Like she talks about I think it was on um, Mental Illness Happy Hour. Do you listen to that podcast? Uh-uh. Oh, it's good. Mental Illness Happy Hour. Shout out shout out to Paul. But uh, she was interviewed and she talked about how she never had like a backpack or luggage. That she would go from foster home to foster home with a garbage oh, bag. Oh, wow. They would just load, load up her things. Just put her shit um, in a bag. In a, in, a trash, in a trash bag. And she was no different than that bag of trash. They would just throw her out. Which is That's sad, awful. Yeah. Um, but as an example um, of the worst that the foster care system has to offer, um, and guess who ends up in the foster care system the most? <laughs> Here we go. Poor black kids, um, poor kids in general, even white ones, and um, brown kids. And I just learned about um, this this week reproductive justice, which goes beyond reproductive rights. We're all we're all. I am shook about what is going on in our country and reproductive rights. But with uh, black female activists uh, created um, this notion of reproductive justice, and it goes beyond our right to choose abortion into things like um, the human right to have children or the human right to not have children and parent the children that you have in a safe and sustainable community. So anyway, Greenwood. <laughs> Getting back to the story. <laughs> yeah. Get out of culture. Corner, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Greenwood hitchhiked to California and earned a living as a migrant worker. 
He then moved back and forth between California and Chicago. So now we're going to slide on into the timeline. <laughs> so hit it, Beth. So the first Skid Row attack occurred on November 13th, 1964, when a man named David Russell, who was a 64-year-old transient, was stabbed numerous times, his throat cut, and his body was left on the steps of the main public library in Los Angeles. Then the second victim was 67-year-old Benjamin Hornberg, a retired meat salesman. He was killed the very next day on November 14th in a downtown hotel where he lived. His throat had also been cut and he'd been stabbed repeatedly. His body was left in the second floor bathroom of the hotel. And I believe these crimes were connected by the police, but not to Greenwood at the time. Okay. Okay. Um, the library, <laughs> the library. Yeah. But uh, that is where a lot of homeless people do, um, hang, hang out, out especially in the summer. Yeah. Um, in the winter too, in, in, uh, cold places, but in right. Los Angeles, it would be in the summer. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I believe that Mr. Hornberg was a white gentleman. I don't know for sure. Um, but I think it's unfair to not consider that this white man may have pursued this young black male sex worker to fulfill his fantasies. Turns out it's a thing. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we can't get into too deep in this episode um, what what that looks like and how that presents itself and what it means, you know, all those things. But there is a population of wealthy white men who do prey on queer black youth for sexual purposes. And they use drugs and substances and their wealth in order to do it. And um, I what comes to mind is that rich white, white democratic donor, Ed Buck, right. Who had, had two black dudes die on his property to date, but he's not in jail. Yeah. What? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so, so again, it's a thing anyway. So on May 16th, 1966, Greenwood met 70 year old Mance Porter in Skinner park in Chicago at around 11 PM. If you recall, he was coming back and forth from Chicago to California as a migrant worker. So he met uh, Mance Porter and uh, they eventually ended up at Porter's apartment where they had sex. According to Porter, uh, when they were done, Greenwood put on his shorts and this is all from court records. And when they say put on his shorts, I think they mean his underwear, but um, oh. I'm not sure. It said he put on his shorts and then produced a knife. Greenwood demanded money. And when Porter said that he had none and that he was on Social Security, Greenwood came at him with a knife. Um. Okay. I, this is a, a tangent. I feel really bad, but I... Um, I'm wondering, did you... When you said court records, was it um like a court, uh, like a... Like a sub subpoena or, or a court um, document, or was it like a um, like a transcript of uh, testimony? It was a court document. Okay, just wondering because sometimes um, it turns out, guys, this is a problem <laughs> that um, there are a lot of court reporters in the United States. Most of them are white, and they do not understand African American vernacular English, aka AAVE, and so they fuck up. Um, when black people testify, they get they get it wrong on oh, wow. the record. Um, they hear it wrong, and so that um, affects black people who are tr 
African-Americans who try to, you know, get appeals and stuff later on down the road and have to go refer to the court record, which is wrong because the court reporter never understood A-A-V-E. So anyway, tangent, Hmm. but never thought of that. Yeah. Wanted to point that out. Yeah, I never thought of that either. And I see a lot of court reporters and I always want to ask them, do you know what African-American vernacular <laughs> English is? But I don't want to, I don't want to like, like, I don't know you lady. I, I might, <laughs> I might get fired. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, where are we? Okay, so Greenwood cut Porter. And when Porter began to scream, Greenwood cut him again. Porter then lost consciousness. Porter's neighbor, Willie Plump, heard Porter scream for help, and he went to Porter's apartment. When he got to the door, Greenwood came running out with the knife in his hand. Plump fought with Greenwood and was able to disarm him. Yeah, Greenwood then attempted to get dressed while holding Plump off with a chair. Oh man. That's yeah. That's <laughs> but Greenwood yeah. was unable to dress and he fled through a window wearing only his shorts. Throughout the struggle, Porter was lying on the floor. When police arrived about 10 or 15 minutes after Greenwood fled, they found both Plump and Greenwood bleeding, the room splattered with blood, and a wallet that contained a social security card with Greenwood's name on it. Gotcha. Where's yep. my gunshot at? <laughs> Come on, gunshot. Come on, gunshot. Don't do, don't do me like that, gunshot. Oh, well, it's not working. Anyway, uh, Greenwood was charged and then found guilty of aggravated battery on of both Mance Porter and Willie Plump. He was sentenced to four to five years for the assault of Plump and eight to ten years for the assault on Porter to run concurrently. So a 10-year gap between murders occurred due to Greenwood being convicted and sentenced to the knifing assault in Chicago in 1966. He spent five and a half years in jail for that conviction before then returning to California. Greenwood then continued his murder spree in December of 1974. All right. On December 1st, 1974, 46-year-old Charles Jackson an alcoholic drifter from Louisiana was murdered and left on the same spot where David Russell had been slain a decade earlier on the steps of the public library. Stay away from the library. Yep. Uh, in the 70s. It doesn't sound like it's a good spot to be. <laughs> Jackson was killed shortly after he'd been released from jail for public ooh, drunkenness. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's so little about these victims that I just tried to find everything I could about them. So there's some random facts in here. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I, 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 I have an appreciation for that. And I, I'm sure that our listeners do. But if you are listening and you maybe know more about these individuals, these victims, get at us. Yeah, uh, definitely. Pod discussion. Yeah. So then on uh, December 8th, so seven days later, Moses August Yakinek, a 47-year-old Inuit from Anchorage, Alaska, was knifed to death in a skid row alley. And then three days later, on December 11th, 1974, 54-year-old Arthur Dahlstedt was found dead on the doorsteps in an alley of a vacant building. I uh, just wanted to say I'm really glad that you used the word Inuit because the publications that I read said Eskimo. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Let's let's 
let's do let well, let's be best okay <laughs> so uh, inuit or first i i think you can also uh, refer to um them as first peoples or indigenous peoples of alaska yeah. um you know um but I, you know if you don't know the right word ask <laughs> if, somebody, if somebody cringes when you say the e word Maybe you should ask why they're doing that and what is the right, right word right to say. Just yeah. Saying. yeah. So on December 22nd, 1974, 42-year-old David Perez was found in some shrubbery adjacent to the Los Angeles Public Library. That's the library again. Yep. And on January 9th, 1975, the mutilated body of Casimir Strawinsky, who was 58 years old, was found by a maid in his hotel room. 46-year-old Robert Tex Shanahan. I'm assuming he's a white guy. <laughs> yeah. Tex. <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate to assume because yeah. it makes an ass out of you. Yeah. But Probably I, a good on. assumption. <laughs> he had been dead yeah. for several days when another hotel maid discovered his body, a bayonet protruding from his chest on January 17th. So um, I need to know where on earth he got this damn bayonet from, because who in their right mind has one of those lying around? Where did it come from? Was it in the hotel? I'm guessing it was uh, Shanahan's that he maybe collected, that kind of stuff. I mean, he he was one of the guys that was found in a hotel. He might have had his stuff with him. And maybe maybe he was a collector of that kind of stuff. You know how guys like to, the ones who like to collect like swords and things like that, you know. Yeah, we've all met one of them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's an interest um, and some people do collect those. And so maybe uh, it was Shanahan's. That's, that's my guess. I was, okay, okay. I think that's, that's a fair conclusion. Um, That's, that's my guess as well. Okay. So also found at this crime scene was a bloody footprint on a magazine, which was later matched to Greenwood's shoe. And then uh, 49-year-old Samuel Suarez was the final Skid Row victim, was found in a fifth floor hotel room also in January, but we're not sure of the exact date. Um, I wanted to ask you, we, d- we don't know when he was found or we don't know when he was killed? Either. Okay. Neither one. Just in January. Okay. That's what I. That's what I thought, but I wanted to be certain. Right. You know, we probably do get our facts straight here. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we do try. We do try over here for this. Um, the killer then switched his hunting ground um, to Hollywood, California. Here we come. <laughs> On uh, January 29th, nineteen seventy-five, stabbing forty-five-year-old George Frias to death in his own apartment in Hollywood. Did you know one out of six couples struggle with infertility, including old Whitey and me? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. We need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. Good data and information about our bodies is crucial when it comes to our body autonomies, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable 
affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com fruit, you can get $20 off your test. Also, and this is really cool, mm. if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility. Wow! Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, if you want kids today or in the future, never or are undecided, it's important to have clinically sound information about your body, which can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That's modernfertility.com fruit. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. How we care for our minds affects how we experience life, so it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps, but there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. Now, we are huge advocates for mental health here at Fruit oh, yeah. HQ. Oh, yes. And we have both used therapy throughout our lives, including BetterHelp, and especially in these past several years to help us deal with challenging times, mm -hmm. challenging thoughts, feelings and experiences. Amen. Yes. And uh, now I had a recent, you know, conversation with my therapist. She was saying sometimes it's just good to talk and get some perspective. You don't yeah. have to go to a therapist just because stuff is wrong. So Right, right. And BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And some people get really anxious about that. So Oh, yes. And it is much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fruit. That's betterhelp.com slash fruit. Two days later, on January 31st, a cash register mechanic, 34-year-old Clyde Hayes, was found stabbed to death in his Hollywood home. And my understanding was there wasn't any um, signs of like a break-in. Right. So he must have known the guys are you know, been invited in. I think a lot of these guys that were in the hotel rooms and stuff, they probably uh, let them in. Uh -huh. They, you know, maybe um, for sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's been reported in a lot of places that there was evidence that the killer drank the blood of his victims because the bodies had cups of blood next to them. Also that they had salt sprinkled around the outlines of their heads, cryptic Mark scribbled around the slash wounds and that the shoes of the victims were re removed and left pointing towards the bodies. Uh, these details reportedly led some people to believe that the murders were linked to Satanism, but that this was disputed by K.V. Lanning. And then they don't explain that at all or who Lanning is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I Googled it and I, th I think it's uh, Kenneth V. Lanning, okay. uh, who's, who's now a, a retired FBI profiler. Okay. And I looked and looked to get more information about these details, but only saw in an article that there were two crime scenes where cups of blood were left next to the bodies. Not all of them. And I don't know which crime scenes. Probably ones where they were indoors, okay. um, in a hotel or in the apartment. Uh -huh. um, the same article mentioned the salt, but it was unclear to me that 
this was done at every crime scene or just some didn't really uh, clarify. It also said that the bodies were sprinkled with salt, not that it was around their heads. So uh, we don't really know. Um, I mean, sometimes the media will latch on to a detail and then run with it. And so we don't really know. Um, Hmm. The detail of the shoes was also mentioned. Mm -hmm. The shoes being left pointed at the bodies. But again, it's not clear to me that it happened at every single crime scene. The one detail that I think was present at every crime scene is that all of the victims had their throats cut um, and they were slashed from ear to ear and down to the spine. Oh, I got it. I got it. Oh, go go ahead. (laughs) Hence the Skid Row Slasher. Okay, what do you got? It's what you wear from ear to ear and not from head to toe that matters. You're never fully dressed without a smile. Oh, God, that's true. You can't take us anywhere. (laughs) Tell your grandma to leave the house. Okay. So, uh, by this time in L.A., detectives had formed a profile of their suspect. He was described as, get this, a white male in his late 20s or 30s, 6 feet tall and 190 pounds, with shoulder-length stringy blonde hair. A psychiatric profile published on the morning of Clyde Hayes' murder described the killer as a sexually impotent coward venting his own feeling of worthlessness on hapless derelicts and drifters he kills. And we think he's trying to resolve his own inner conflicts by turning his wrath and hatred outward. He was further described as a friendless, poorly educated loner, probably homosexual, with an unspecified physical deformity. So they got most of that wrong, but they got they got a few things yep. right. He was a loner. Um, he was poorly educated, um, probably homosexual. Oh, and the, I think that they were correct about uh, trying to resolve his own inner conflicts by turning his wrath and hatred outward, but I don't think that's a big stretch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that was, that was easy. pretty easy wait to a, guess that. So at this time, criminal profiling was in its infancy. I don't know if this profile was put together by the FBI or the L.A. police or what. But if you watch the Netflix show Mindhunter, it's about how criminal profiling began. Um, And what they did was they interviewed serial killers to see what made them tick, then compiled all of the information and looked for similarities and I don't know if they actually at that time interviewed any black serial killers, um, but probably not. Um, and I think I think a lot nope. of the authorities assumed that it was a white guy thing. But um, this was all happening around uh, the same time. So uh, criminal profiling was a brand new science at that time. I am 100% certain that they did not <laughs> interview any non, yeah. non-straight white dudes. Um, which which is problematic, and we we find it's this isn't this isn't just a true crime issue. This this um, uh, is in every every element of our society that 
that there are people who are not in the room. That they don't think to include. That they don't think to include. And then they produce these studies or these products and they fuck up every time um, because they don't include enough voices um, who are not like theirs. Yeah. And I don't know how it is now. And I Mm -hmm. hope that they are including more diverse people in their their study. I, I hope so. I don't know how it is. So, but hopefully they've learned by their mistakes and like, oh shoot, maybe we should add some of these kinds of people into our studies. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you how you go about your life, but when I walk into a room, I do look around and I I am surveying. This looks like a lot of white dudes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna understand what I'm throwing at them, but here I go. Like I just you got to look around and survey the room. And then also if you have the power or the status um, to consider asking, where are the other voices? Yeah. Can we, can we get room? some of them in here? <laughs> yeah, can we get some of them in yeah. here so that we can produce the dopest thing, right, you know, right. our, our, we're going to be lacking dopeness because we're so homogenous. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to say the criminal profiling that was created is in the United States is like the movie Green Book <laughs> of criminal profiling. <laughs> and those of you and oh my god, what I really blow white people away when I when I give them this tidbit of information, but black people don't fucks with the movie Green Book. Yeah, I heard about that. Here's why. They didn't consult with the actual dude's family, the actual black dude's family only from the perspective of the white guy and it there's a theme of white saviorism hashtag white saviorism that is disturbing because all it does um in a movie like this is uh wrap racism up in a nice bow (laughs) and make white people feel really great about the racisty stuff (laughs) yeah yeah and uh so uh, anyway, that's why I call this this the the, the profiling the green book of uh, criminal profiling. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> all right. So on uh, February second, nineteen seventy five, Greenwood invaded the Hollywood home of William Graham, assaulting him with a hatchet before his house guest Kenneth Richer intervened, and both men plunged through a plate glass window like a movie yeah i know it's crazy get this greenwood then fled on foot to the home of burt reynolds so i guess lived next door <laughs> the white guy with the mustache yeah oh, <laughs> smoky wow. and the bandit burt reynolds yeah oh wow oh that's exciting it okay. is like a movie so on the way <laughs> he dropped a letter addressed to himself <laughs> whoa okay uh I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's dive into the investigation and arrest. Before the police got their shit together, they wasted a whole lot of time looking for a white guy. With stringy hair, remember? Yeah. As we've said in the past, the news is racist. Allegedly. I have to say that for legal purposes. (laughs) And so are the police. Allegedly. I have to say that for legal purposes. And and they're only, they're racist as an institution, okay? 
I do believe there are good cops. Okay. Yeah. So don't at me, bro. Don't get at us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I've known some good cops. So yeah, we know they're out yeah, there. Yeah. I'm sure they're out there. I mean, I've never met one, but I'm just saying I'm sure they're <laughs> out there. <laughs> On February 3rd, 1975, police picked up Vaughn Greenwood, charging him with counts of burglary and assault because, you know, they found that letter with his name on it. Uh-huh. Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> and their search of his residence turned up a pair of cufflinks stolen from the victim, George Frias. And then uh, Burt Reynolds was actually a witness in the trial for his burglary and assault. No. Yeah. That's... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a jury I would love to sit on. Wow. And then a year later, okay. on March 17th, 1975, Greenwood was charged with 11 counts of murder. All right. So where are they now? Well, I'll tell you. On December 30th, 1976, Greenwood was convicted of nine counts of first degree murder. He was also convicted of one count of assault with intent to commit murder. But the jury failed to reach a verdict on two other murder charges. Per one article in the Spokesman Review, I wasn't going to do this, but I went to high school in Spokane. This book's in review is our <laughs> newspaper, and they have a theme song, and I want to okay. sing it. I'm ready. ready? <clears throat> the Spokesman Review, discover what's in it for you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> the jurors did not reach a verdict on the case of the victims of David Russell and Charles Jackson. The victims were both found on the library steps, as we mentioned earlier. Greenwood was sentenced to 32 years to life on January 19, 1977, with the possibility of parole. The judge called him a phenomenal danger to society, and he's been denied parole 10 times, and he's, uh, he's never getting out. He is no. living at the Men's Colony State Prison in San Luis Obispo in California. Which is a very nice town, by the way. It is. I read that. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I want to go there. Yeah. Maybe not at the Men's Colony State Prison, but <laughs> it's yeah, very pretty yeah. over there. <laughs> good over there. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think he's in his 80s. Yeah. Now? Yeah. He's, he's, okay. he's old. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to get into what we think made him snap. And takeaways. So listeners, uh, our ride or die bitches, (laughs) we would like you to know before our break, we we were like, maybe we should switch some things up. So we're going to combine what made him snap and also our takeaways because they kind of got a little bit repetitive repetitive in some episodes. And um, I think that it's fair to put them together. And Beth agrees. So... um, we have decided to smoosh them up in a mashup. So we're going to do what made him snap slash takeaways. So um, don't be mad at us. At <laughs> it's us all, it's all in there. We just combined them. All in there. We love you very much. Don't be mad. Okay. Um, so uh, what made him snap and takeaways? Uh, I would like to shout out to the foster care system. Now, we don't know why he was taken from his parents or how he was treated while he was in foster care. I imagine that perhaps he uh, saw sex work or saw um, inappropriate uh, 
sexuality in, in front of him or some form of violence in front of his eyes or rape in front of his eyes or abuse and neglect in front of him. And I don't doubt that his early life was traumatic. If you're leaving in the seventh grade, you're running away. Uh, things could not have been very good. Something ain't right. No, something ain't right. So perhaps he turned his inward pain outward and that's how we end up with the skid row slasher. So Beth has said this many a times before on the show. She's the she's the wisest <laughs> woman I know. Um, but she always says, I always feel bad for the kid that was. And I yeah. do in this case. I'm pissed. We don't know more about this guy. And it may be because he was overshadowed. Because at the time, this was like serial killer, like heyday. Prime time. Yeah. Oh, prime. Timony time. John Wayne Gacy and other white sickos who essentially stole the show during this time period. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. we could have known more, but we really don't. We don't. Yeah. This case actually kind of reminds me of Eileen Warnos. She also had a shitty early life and left home at a young age with very little education. She also did sex work to get by. Mm -hmm. um, And she ended up murdering men, I think, because she had so much anger built up inside of her because of how she'd been treated. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's the same with Greenwood as well. There's been much ado with the bloody glasses and the salt sprinkled around the bodies. But uh, as far as I could tell, only two of the victims had the bloody glasses. Mm -hmm. Not sure about the salt. Hard to say why he did that. He may have had some mental health issues. And I know Eileen Warnos did. Uh, But I think they were either caused or exacerbated by how he'd been treated by the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And there is, unfortunately, as Wendy mentioned, not a lot of info about this guy. I wish there was an interview or something out there. He's still alive, so uh, maybe someone will get one. That'd be please. Cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Daylight, please. <laughs> please. Keith, Keith, where are you? <laughs> Although I've seen interviews of Eileen Warnos, and there's pretty much nothing there, you know. But I think she had a lot of interviews, yeah. and I think she was just high, getting high off of interviews. Yeah. Yeah. That was my perspective. Like, they were not helpful at all, really. No, not at all. Yeah. She didn't give us any, any details. No, but nothing insightful. has never been interviewed. That, that we know Come of. On. Yeah. Well, yeah. Come on. Elizabeth Vargas? Who's that? Who's that Latinx woman on uh, that TV? line? Yeah. Whoever she is. Get us oh, an interview. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on. All right. Now we're going to get into how not to get murdered. If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. (laughs) (laughs) This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestion for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. All right. So here we go. Um, So these crimes happened in the 60s and the 70s. And times are different today, obviously. We as humans and as a society are different today. Um, So I'd like to share some tips just on safety on dating um, because he was connecting with men uh, my perception was he was connecting with men who wanted dates yeah um so tip number one fact checked 
Don't be afraid to Google someone if you've just met them online um, or over Facebook. Uh, use Google search by image feature, which, oh, that's nice. Thanks, Google, to check multiple Facebook profiles using the same photo. So you can tell if you're going to be catfished or not. Cool. Um, be, be smart. Um, verify further. Um, even if your initial Google, Google searches don't bring up anything suspicious or they do and you're not sure what to do with the uncertainty, don't hesitate to order a background check on an individual. And I, I don't know, I'm not in the date, I'm not in the dating world, but I don't know if I would go that far, but you can. You can, it's there. Don't, it's there, it's available. Uh, Protect yourself, have privacy settings in place and be careful to not divulge too much personal information. Um, If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, people can create dream personas online. Um, and if your virtual date is um, a model slash, I don't know, anything, uh, <laughs> model slash actress. I get a lot of men on Facebook that ask for friend requests who are obviously not real profiles. Oh, really? And they're always like doctors or lawyers oh. or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'll, t- I'll tell you something. We also, for our Fruit Loops Instagram profile and Twitter profile get them a lot too. Is oh, wow. baloney men and women who want dates. And it's like yeah. this porno- like a pornographic profile of a woman or a doctor of a like man or a man in a suit. And I just like. Oh, uh, military men yes, too. And I'm just like, delete. <laughs> <laughs> no thank you <laughs> uh, but if anything sounds strange or unbelievable ask questions um if the person is defensive then tell them to fuck the hell off <laughs> yeah get the yeah. fuck out of here I mean, uh, also, you don't don't be afraid to be rude yeah no we really shouldn't we should stop teaching our young girls to be afraid to be rude yeah um go slow this is not a rush it's not a race and don't be afraid to, as Beth said, don't be afraid to offend anybody or make them uncomfortable. If somebody is pursuing you online, you have every right to ask questions and need to in order to put your mind at ease and be safe. Also, tell your friends if you are kind of sparking up a relationship with somebody, um, because if they show concern, then you might want to consider their concern seriously. And also be honest with yourself. Don't ignore any hesitancy or feelings of discomfort. Your feelings matter. They are real. And so if something is not right, you know, yeah. so don't ignore it. Yeah. Um, and also the idiom is true. It's always better to be safe than sorry, always. And lastly, it's Memorial Day. We are recording this episode. And I it, here in the United States, it's Memorial Day, as I said. And I wanted to share a veterans crisis hotline I saw on the news. It's 1-800-273-8255. Press 1 for help. It is a veterans crisis hotline. Oh, cool. And uh, that's uh, another way to not die. Nice. <laughs> Call the hotline. Yeah. So there you go. So now Beth is going to tell us about some serial killer or true crime news. Woo! What do you got? <laughs> Well, at least five women and two girls, the young daughters of two of the victims, many missing for months or years, are believed to have been victims of a man suspected of serial killings in Cyprus. 
His arrest has raised questions about the treatment of migrant workers on the Mediterranean island nation. It also cast a harsh light on police response that critics say was grossly insufficient. Most victims were domestic workers from Asia, including one who disappeared in 2016. Police apathy has been the target of protesters as they took to the streets of Nicosia. Many are asking how the suspect could have acted with impunity for almost three years. Nikos Metaxas is a 35-year-old Greek Cypriot army captain who authorities say has written a 10-page confession. Police believe Metaxas lured the women through online dating sites and informal community groups supporting domestic migrant workers. Metaxas is also being investigated for additional charges of rape. Oh, no. And authorities fear that his body count may be much higher. Oh, boy, that does not sound no. good in the least bit. But thank you for that news, Beth. So now we are going to get into the part of our show where we shout out any content by people of color or about people of color or LGBTQ or any true crime goodies. And um, I just, I need as much feel good as I possibly can get these days. (laughs) So I am shouting out to Lizzo. Have you heard of her, Beth? I have not. No! Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. (laughs) You have you have to go to your Spotify app or your whatever music app that you listen to. Go there and listen to Lizzo because if you want to um, feel empowered, she's your gal. So Lizzo is a black female singer, and she's even said herself that she identifies as fat. And she um, her latest album cover is her naked. Oh wow! Rolls and everything, big big thighs and everything. Um, just ouch yeah. Uh so she's a she's a black female singer, songwriter, rapper, and presenter. She has given me so much life this week. Again, she's fat, she's black, body positive, um, and she's educated, she's talented. Um, her career started in Minnesota, but that's not where she's from. And she uh I guess you could say is a muse of Prince. She um made her first album at Prince's Paisley Park. And I think that she also performed many, many times at his home for like parties and stuff like that and, and concerts. Come on. You you haven't heard one man great till they gotta nope. be great. Sorry, I'm old. I don't... I do, I do not. Yes, but you watch movies yeah, too, right? I do. So I do my I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Feeling good as hell. No. Come on. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. No. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Anyway, if you are listening and you want to feel good in so much awfulness in the world, please go listen to Lizzo because it will really make you feel all right. Well, maybe I should check that out. I think you should. So she's featured in many movies and many a shows. Um, but seriously, I I have severe inflammation in my knees and I can't drop it like it's hot like I used to. <laughs> but, but 
If I hold on to something really tight, I can drop it like it's hot and listen to a Lizzo beat and get it done. Uh, so, <laughs> so, girls, let's get out there. Let's get out there and dance and listen to Lizzo. Uh, so that's my shout All out. Right. I wanted to shout out real quick, um, Hidden Brain. Oh, yeah. I love that podcast. Yeah. The most recent episode, the host is Shankar Vedantam. Mm -hmm. And I love his voice. But (laughs) (laughs) the the most recent episode is called More Divided Than Ever. And um, it's about the political landscape right now. And it was really interesting and actually kind of optimistic. So you don't see that very no, much. No, you don't. That's great. So That's I recommend great. listening to that. Um, it was really interesting. Awesome. I'm actually, uh, the reason why I'm quiet is because I'm looking it up on my <laughs> phone right now. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. That's so much. That was fantastic. Okay. So where can the people find us? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. You can also follow and jump into our discussions by following hashtag Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Twitter and Instagram. Whoops, sorry, I'm just I'm sorry. I accidentally I accidentally hit the hip hop That was not on purpose. But if you thought it was dope, all right. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod, and links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App, which you can download to your phone, or you can find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment, and even a dollar would help. We also have merch on our website now at fruitloopspod.com slash merch. Yeah, mom. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to give a shout out to Larry Bridges. He gets all the hip hop air horns. Uh, he has helped us tremendously with our marketing during this season and is continuing to bless us with his gifts. So thank you, Larry Bridges. Um, Shout out to our patrons and show supporters for doing just that and rocking with us and fucking with us. So I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to, I I created a little ditty for each of our supporters. So Percy, Lord have mercy. King. AJ, greatest baller of all time. LeBron James. (laughs) At me, bro. Angel of Mines. Hints. <laughs> Chastity, bad did E. Connie, my Bonnie lies over the ocean. So, <laughs> who that? It's a Denisa Arias. <laughs> Kay Hamilton wrote the other 51. Monica Howard University. DJ, we the best. TJ Nichols. Valerie. Come sail away, come sail away, Callaway, Rondica, Licka Licka Lickalus, uh, Ilya, I wanna be ya, Nicole, Marlene Miller, ooh, she a killer, Khadija, baby, please, I need ya, Marinkov, Elsa, six, six, six is giving out all the bags of dicks. <laughs> 
and Miss Scranton Tantrum. Thank you for your reviews, for your comments, your engagement, and your love. We will be taking a break, as Beth said earlier. We will be back recording new episodes in, I'm not sure. <laughs> in a few weeks. <laughs> Well, in a few weeks. <laughs> Until then, go back and listen to our oldies and our goodies. But you can still get at us. We will also be on our social media. We're not going away. Um, shouting out content that we think is dope. Um, and we are going to be lifting up women, people of color, LGBTQ people, um, and just sharing sharing the things that we're enjoying on our break with you by those kinds of people. So. Uh, we would love it if you would share what's good, what you find um, in terms of podcasts, shows, books, people, music, tweets, memes, all the things with us too. And y'all, <laughs> this is a weekly podcast. So new episodes drop every Thursday for the most part. Until next time, <laughs> look alive, guys. It's crazy out there. <laughs>